Welcome to the Circle Path. I'm your host, Adam Skaggs. Hope everyone's having a very spooky Halloween week. Uh, This podcast is being released on Halloween night, so hopefully you guys have a great trick-or-treat night. Stay safe and don't let the spookies get you. I wanted to say thank you to everyone that has checked out the recent podcast from last week uh, where we talked about doppelgangers. Um, But this one, this one is going to be quite a bit different. Uh, Very interesting. We have a a guy on the show named Chris Kingston. He is a lifelong experiencer and he talks a lot about his experiences with uh, different types of entities, but he also has some experience with cryptids and astral travel and the occult and things like that. So it's a, it's a, it was a really good conversation and I'm really excited for you guys to listen. So uh, without further ado, Oh, also uh, make sure you guys go and check out the Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I've been quite a bit more active on both platforms lately. So Make sure you follow us there, and without further ado, let's get into this uh, interview with Chris. Hey, Chris, can you hear me? I sure can. What's up, man? Not much, man. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad to be here. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's uh, we just did a trick or treat for my for my little kids, and it was uh, it's pretty crazy over here. <laughs> nice. I think uh, I think my ex and I are gonna do that on a Saturday for my kid. Oh yeah. Uh, how old is your kid? Yeah. Uh, she's five. Oh cool. Cool. We have a yeah. We have a two year old, a three year old, and a twelve year old. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's pretty crazy around here. It's a nice spectrum of ages. Yeah. No doubt. Cool man. So I wanted to have you on because. Um, I've been following you for on Twitter for a long time and I'm really interested in hearing what your experiences are and what your, what you thought, what your thoughts are and a lot of stuff. So, uh, I appreciate that. Cool, man. And, uh, yeah, if you just indulge me on some questions here, (laughs) that would be cool (laughs) for sure. Go for it. All right, man. So, um, firstly, just tell us a little bit about your background and, um, yeah, if you had any, experiences early on in life could tell us about that yeah definitely uh so i've been having uh interactions with the paranormal my entire life uh one of my earliest memories is actually um i'm standing in my crib and i'm looking at the hallway right outside of my room and there's this loud pop sound and the hallway extends out kind of like a an accordion it looks almost like um uh an infinity mirror effect when you put two mirrors facing each other kind of looks like that and it just shoots off into infinity um for a little while and then there's a loud pop sound and it uh combines back into my normal hallway again um and that particular phenomena was something that happened uh pretty often through my early childhood years and then it kind of shifted right about uh, the time I was about five or six. Um, I started to have uh, weird dreams a lot. Um, lots of dreams where I was flying or lots of dreams where there was a lot of uh, scary uh, creatures and entities in it. And I just kind of took those as being, you know, uh, normal nightmares. Um but I would wake up a lot of times in a different place than where I'd fallen asleep. So I remember waking up in, uh, in my front yard. I woke up in the living room. I woke up in between the kitchen and the living room before. Um, just lots of weird stuff. And I would have lots of uh, random nosebleeds as a child as well, which is another indication um, of interactions with uh, the phenomena. And... I just, uh, the interactions kind of kept changing as I got older. Um, I 
had right about the time I was about six or seven, I had a interaction with uh, Sasquatch. <laughs> Actually, my oh wow fam, yeah, <laughs> um, out here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Bigfoot's kind of a you know everybody knows about him or whatever. But my parents have about five and a half acres of forest land um, up in the mountains, about forty minutes up from. Uh, Hood River, which is in the Columbia River Gorge, about an hour from Portland. And so they have all this forest land out in the middle of nowhere, which is where um, I grew up. So all these interactions happen on this property. And I was in the front yard playing with my my little sister. Um, she was like three or four at the time. And uh, I'm looking in the backyard behind the house and I watched this thing um, walk from the forest that's off to the the right of where I'm looking. And it walks out of the forest. And my mom had a uh, clothesline hung up about uh, six and a half, seven feet off the ground. And this thing walks right. Um, it had to like duck down to walk underneath it. And then it just kind of sat there and uh, I stood there and and stared at my sister and I for uh, what seemed like a couple of minutes. And then it calmly walked back off into the woods. Um, I didn't know until about a year later what Bigfoot even was at the time. We were watching uh, Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, I love movie. that movie. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and we were watching that movie, and uh, I, was, I was like, wow, that that's exactly you know what I saw in, in our backyard. Um, the coloring was a little different on the one that I saw, though. It had a lot more uh, gray and white in its uh, fur. But do you think that 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 uh, Sasquatch you saw had anything to do with what you saw in your your hallway? At the time, I didn't put any connections together to any of my interactions. I just I didn't even realize that it was necessarily uh, you know not normal to be having any of these interactions. Um, Nowadays, I'm I'm convinced that uh, Sasquatch phenomena and really a lot of different cryptid phenomena is intimately connected to um, UFOs and areas that are hotspots for missing people uh, along the same lines of like what uh, Dave Polite is is doing with the Missing Four One One series. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of the the hotspots seem to match up and so i just i kind of feel like there's definitely a connection and i mean bigfoot uh, one of the other things um that kind of connects bigfoot to the phenomena in my mind um is the random uh disappearances of squatch so like there's lots of cases where somebody will be tracking um bigfoot prints and they'll just all of a sudden stop in the middle of this empty field. And it looks like this thing just disappeared off the face of the planet right there. Um, and that's actually something that happens with a lot of cryptids. Uh, uh, Chupacabra actually um, does that all the time. Like you'll be tracking it uh, through snow or something and it'll just disappear. And incidentally, that's also what happened with the uh, dire wolf that showed up on Skinwalker Ranch as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the Shermans, when they first moved onto the property, within the first week, I think it was, there was that giant wolf that showed up and they tracked it into the middle of a muddy field and the prince just stopped, just like it disappeared. So I'm not, I'm not sure how <laughs> all of this is connected, but I'm convinced that it is. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. So have you had any encounters with uh, chupacabras? I have not yet. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that it's not in my future. I would love to, uh, I would love to go on a hunt someday. Cool. Cool. So, okay, let's go, let's take a step back. Let's go. How did you, like, like I read through like some of your, uh, your pin Twitter or your pin tweet and yeah. it's basically your whole story is up, up there, right? It is indeed, yeah. Um, I wanted to do uh, more of a media-based approach at things, and I haven't been able to take that step quite yet. Life keeps getting in the way. 
So I put that uh, pinned tweet up on my profile to kind of give everybody an overview of some of my profound, more profound experiences um, so people can kind of see where I'm coming from when I talk about uh, experience or community and why I'm such a big advocate for uh, people that have these interactions. Okay. So can you, so one of the, one of the, one of the parts of that story intrigued me quite a bit. The, uh, the hooded figure that you had had an interaction with post meditation or during meditation when you were in your early twenties. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually the, the most profound interaction that I've had with the phenomena so far. Um, so that was during a time in my life that I consider one of the happiest times in my life. I was very, uh, super hippie at the time. Um, I was meditating on a daily basis and I was also doing yoga on a daily basis. And there wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of struggle or anything in my life. And so I was just kind of in a really good spot. And I had just gotten to the point in my meditation and yoga practice where it was becoming um, more routine so I could really relax into it and just really um, let everything go. And I didn't have to think so much about the process. And so that particular morning I woke up and I had the day off and um, my girlfriend at the time was working. So she wasn't going to be there. And so I just kind of had a really good relaxing morning. I woke up about 1030, I think it was, I slept in and I decided to start my day off with some yoga and meditation. And so I sat in my living room, which is my, what was my favorite place to do this and uh, put on some incense and some good music and did my yoga. And then at the end, I sat in lotus position on my, uh, on my living room floor. And the way that I meditate, um, or at least the way that I get into the meditative process, <clears throat> is I envision a lit candle in my mind. And I focus on the flame in the middle of the candlelight and I just kind of let that start to become everything in my mind's eye. It just burns away everything. And it would eventually just leave me um, in that state of oneness, that state of just, you know, ego loss where I lost all sense of self and became more one with my stream of consciousness and the stream of consciousness that builds up the universe, or at least that's how it seems when one gets to that point. And I had just gotten to that quiet point um, when I realized that my conscious self was no longer in my physical body. <clears throat> I, uh, whereas I was, my physical body was sitting in lotus position on my living room floor. My conscious self was now in the kitchen, which was just adjacent to the living room. And I was standing or my point of vision was uh right about accurate for where i would have been if i was standing there and there was this weird um kind of like uh the purple light that a, a dark light or a black light gives off um it was kind of that kind of hue on everything um almost like because it was still my kitchen but it was almost like somebody had turned on a uh, a really bright black light in the kitchen and standing about a foot and a half in front of me was a being about four four and a half feet tall and she was wearing a hooded robe um, that covered up most of her body and the only bits of skin that I could really see was a little bit on her uh, a little bit on her chin and a little bit on both of her hands and the little bit of skin that I could see it was it looked just like uh, moonlight. Um, when you're staring at the moon, that's exactly what it looked like. Oh, wow. And the hooded robe that she was wearing, um, it was it was a blue color, kind of like an azure blue, um, in contrast to the purple that was on everything. And I remember that there was some sort of design or something on on the robe itself, but I, I've never been able to remember exactly what it was. And she had um, her left arm up over her face, um, 
except for a little bit of chin that I could see. And uh, she was mumbling something that I couldn't quite make out. And it just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel like I was in danger. I didn't feel, uh, I didn't really feel much of anything. It was just kind of more of a neutral feeling in that moment. And so I just sat there and observed. I couldn't do much else. Um, I tried to move around, but it felt like I was being held in place by a, uh, a lot of pressure, almost a similar sensation to when you're standing at the bottom of a really deep pool, um, all that pressure around you. And uh, it was kind of holding me in place. And that, so do you think that was her doing that or what, do you think it was just because you were in your astral form and it's harder to move in that state? I am not entirely sure. Um, I, I suspect that it was her. Uh, I, in fact, I suspect that it was her that initiated the out of body experience in the first place, but, um, it's not something that I, I'm not hundred percent certain on. Gotcha. And so I just kind of sat there watching her for a period of time. And, um, then she reached out with the arm that wasn't up over her face and she with her index finger, she touched where my nose would have been on my physical body. And there was this, uh, almost a slap sound. And I woke up in my physical body. I was in my physical body again, but whereas I had started this journey, um, in Lotus position on my living room floor and then moved to the kitchen in my astral form. When I got back into my physical body, it was in a completely different room in, in the house, um, on a couch. I was laying on my back on a couch and I had both of my arms crossed over my ch uh, chest, almost in the same position that uh, the pharaohs were buried in Egypt. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so do you think that um, as part of this experience, your physical was taken as well, or was it, you think it was something else? I've kind of suspected that something happened to my physical body while I was in my astral form. And I'm not entirely sure what it would have been. Um, but I, I can't help but, but wonder because it definitely was in a completely different spot than when I had left it. And my entire physical body was very, very, very sore. It was almost, it felt almost like I had been on a, all day, you know, really rigorous, uh, hike, you know, um, the type of yoga that I do, it's not, it's not the very like super intense yoga. It's more about easing and breathing into stretches and kind of relaxing the entire body. And so it wasn't even something that the yoga would produce in me. Um, it definitely felt more like an all day, very active, vigorous hike. And, uh, every muscle in my body was sore. And I, I still to this day have no idea why. <laughs> so so you, going back to your childhood, you said you had a lot of nosebleeds. Do you think, uh, absolutely. Do you think that that is kind of related to what, what was going on with your body at the time? Like, you know, some kind I of I suspect implant? it is. Um, so I'd always kind of been interested in, ufo phenomena and the paranormal in general but i it was always more of like a a hobby interest to me i you know i really liked horror films uh in my teen years and i never really put two and two together between my experiences and interactions and the paranormal until a uh, few years later after i met the lady of light um when i was uh, god it's only been like three or four years ago now and uh no, no, I like had the, the lady of light is, is the one you're, you was the hooded figure, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's the same being that, uh, that experiencers like Chris Bledsoe talk about, gotcha. um, the similarities between the beings are just too striking for me to ignore. And, uh, if, if it's not the same exact specific lady of light, um, it's a very similar, I don't know, species um, that is one of the more common ones that uh, 
contactees talk about meeting um, or the beings made of light. And uh, I didn't even know that that was a thing until I started getting into this kind of research very seriously. Um, Cause I hadn't even really looked at contact and abduction experiences with a, with a very serious eye until a couple years ago. And then everything kind of hit me that, wow, this is all stuff that I've had happen to me throughout my life, you know, and there wasn't a single butt probe. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I started looking into it and yeah, it turns out with the beings made of light people, the contactees that, uh, have interactions with these particular beings. Um, it's not a one and done sort of thing. Uh, I still haven't come across another uh, contactee story with the beings of light where it was a one and done. Usually it's something that starts when they're, when they're children and uh, it's a lifelong interaction. And what's typically the, the goal of these, these interactions, right? I mean, if they start super early, what, what do you think the ultimate goal is? Well, when it comes to the others, I don't, I try not to really say with certainty what their goal is because all the intelligences that seem to be involved with the phenomena, um, they all seem to be tricksters in one way or another. Uh, very secretive. They like to hide their intent and I find it very difficult to trust anything that is kind of imparted by them because of all of this. Um, and so the, the beings made of light, most contactees that have interactions with them, it's a very pleasant experience or benevolent. Um, they're among the, the species that are considered more positive. Um, versus like more of the traumatic experiences that some people uh, that have like abduction experiences with greys, for instance, um, would say that they're more negative. And so I feel very blessed in that aspect. Um, and I can't help but wonder if there is a connection between the beings made of light and the shadow beings. Uh, shadow people, because I've had lots of interactions with shadow people too uh, throughout my life. And I'm kind of wondering if they're connected somehow. That's interesting. You say that we we've, we've got a shadow being that likes to hang around here as well. We've talked about it a few times in previous episodes, but um, we've got some theories about that as well. So I'm I'm curious to see what, see what you think. Um, but we, we've talked about them as more of like a, uh, more of a malevolent type, uh, gin type entity or something like that. I mean, they, they definitely seem to be along those lines, um, in that form. And actually Nick Redfern talks about, uh, their connection with the men in black phenomena as well. So do you think they're the, the men in black and shadow people are one and the same or? I feel that they're very intimately connected, especially after reading a lot of his work. Yeah. yeah, Nick Redfern's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they, oh, well, so something that's very interesting about the men in black phenomena, a lot of the uh, big black cars that uh, people claim to have seen um, or even have been in, in a couple of cases, um, they always talk about a purplish light that is emanating uh, from within the car. And I didn't find that piece of information out until last year. And I immediately went back to my experience with the uh, lady of light in my kitchen where there was that weird purple light, um, that was everywhere. And I, I, I'm kind of wondering if that's something to do with, the whatever technology they're using to, to be on this plane of existence or however it works. Do you, do you think that they're, a nuts and bolts type phenomena, or do you think it's more of an interdimensional type thing where kind of were they coming in and as part of that, it's, it's giving that purple glow. The, the more that I research this subject, the more I think it's a, it's a handsome mix of nuts and bolts and more of the etheric woo 
type stuff. Um, it's, I'm not even fully convinced that a lot of this stuff is extraterrestrial in nature. I, I tend to suspect that it's uh, a lot of it's coming from this planet. <laughs> um, and I am very suspicious that there's another species that lives here on this planet with humans uh, and probably has lived here far longer than humans or something along those lines. Um, and it just keeps itself hidden. So do you, when you say, when you say hidden, so in like a, uh, like a parallel type, like kind of like the astral realm or are you talking about like, like the, the underground type beings that live underground? Um, there's enough evidence in my mind from what I've seen so far to indicate that there's likely both <laughs> um and they might be that. connected as well but okay so so if it's so if there's both of them here do you think that the the race specifically that the lady of light comes from is she one of the ones you think live amongst us because there's been so many interactions with them absolutely and i the more that i kind of research specifically the lady of light and her connections to uh visions of mother mary and the uh white calf buffalo woman um that a lot of native americans talk about it's it's just interesting all of the the similarities and it would seem that this particular being or race of beings has been interacting with humans for a very, very long time. And it just, it makes more sense to me that these things live here or are from here than to say that they're traveling here on such a regular basis for such a long time from wherever they come from. If I suppose if it's from a, an alternate dimension, it's, it might not be that long of a trip or that difficult of a trip, but eh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the same way, man. That's uh, it's interesting to think about though, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I love, I love the, the speculating part of all of this because it's, it's fun to imagine where all of this evidence could be leading towards and um, kind of learning more about that. <clears throat> um, it's, if we can astral project, and I, I would say that there's enough evidence to show, you know, anybody that's willing to look into it, that it is a thing that happens. Um, since we're able to astral project, it, it makes sense that other beings would be able to astral project as well. So that may account for at least a portion of some of these contacty scenarios but there definitely is that nuts and bolts aspect to it as well where there's you know the metallic slag that comes off um like what happened i think in oak harbor and um in other places or the the several crashes that happened around roswell so i'm not sure it's a it's a it's a fun thing to think about for sure for sure for sure so you know, you, you mentioned astral projection. So what do you think of CE5 and their whole methodology of projecting consciousness out into the, the ether or space to call down different races of beings? It works. I've done it. I did it uh, a couple months ago, actually, successfully for the first time. Um, I was on Mount... St. Helens, which is about an hour and a half drive from where I'm at. And I had my uh, camera set up and I was uh, videotaping myself going into that meditative process and trying to connect with whatever beings were around and nothing happened. And so I put the camera back in my car and tried again without a camera on it. And when I opened my eyes from the meditative process, I was looking down <clears throat> at this 
forested valley and there was a really heavy overcast that day and so there weren't any uh views of the blue sky or anything and this was about four o'clock in the afternoon and when i opened my eyes from the meditative process that uh, is essentially what ce5 is i saw that there was a bright star sitting just above the treetops um of this valley that i was looking at and it sat there for about 30 40 seconds and then it uh shot incredibly fast down into the forest itself um looked almost like a shooting star but it just it was happening right above the forest so i definitely am 100 percent um of the the belief that ce5 works i just am suspicious that it's not extraterrestrials that we're talking to or calling down um at least not in the sense that you know the word extraterrestrial normally invokes um i actually the longer i look into this the closer i kind of um the closer i get to understanding uh people like the bledsoe family a little bit more when they say that these are angelic beings in the realm of contact and abduction phenomena um there is a very specific kind of interaction that happens with beings that appear to be uh, demonic or angelic and the appearance of these things um demons and angels and jinn you could even throw those in there as well um it always seems to be very very similar either that like smoky kind of appearance or just blinding light and and this is another reason i kind of suspect that these things are coming from this planet is just because it's brought up so much in religious texts going back to you know when we were first able to start writing down this stuff yeah totally yeah you you i mean you look at some of the paintings or anything like that they're painting them a thousand years ago it seems like you know absolutely and i guess the the argument could be made that okay these things you know they have a different understanding of time or they're using time travel in some in some fashion i was just having this conversation with some people on twitter last night um and that definitely is a possibility and i think that there is a lot to be said about uh evidence of time travel um stuff like out of place artifacts are really interesting and i just feel like it, it doesn't explain everything it doesn't explain the entire spectrum of uh phenomena and really there doesn't seem to be one answer <laughs> for all of it yeah it seems like there's a totally different answer depending on who, who you who you talk to or what kind of phenomena you personally encounter it's basically it, it's it seems to me that it it manifests in however it feels like you can handle, right? It it definitely that that could be a possibility. Um, something another idea that was brought up to me from a lifelong abductee, uh, this person, um, they've had well over <laughs> two hundred experiences with uh, with the Greys uh, since they were a child. And in their late teens and early 20s, they, they started to have the ability to talk to the greys during these abduction scenarios, uh, which ultimately kind of changed more into contact scenarios as time went on, um, less traumatic. And uh, the greys were telling him that um, different species have different contracts with different bloodlines uh so different families and that's why there's such a wide variety of different experiences that people have and yet there's a pattern um to all of them 
<laughs> you know, the the people that have contact with the grays, it doesn't matter where in the world they have these these experiences with the grays, but there's a pattern with the grays and then with the tall Nordics and then with the reptilians and so on and so forth. Um, and he was telling me that it it's not just contracts between species and bloodlines, but sometimes it also has to do with regions as well. Um, so take that for, you know, for what it's worth, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting little tidbit of information. Yeah. That's a, that's the first time I've heard, heard of the, the region aspect of it. I mean, that's, did he mean regions in the fact that, I mean, if you live in a, say you live in the Canadian area or in Canada, Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be the grays that'll come get you versus if you live in say Mexico, it'll be the tall Nordics or something like that. So what do you, that, that was kind of the, the general gist that I got from what he was telling me. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, that's really interesting as well. Uh, I'll have to look more into that as well. I haven't really come across more of that particular aspect of it in my research. So if you hear anything, I would love to hear about it as well. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, what do you, I'm curious to see, to, I'm curious as to what your, your, uh, thoughts are on the current state of ufology and what's happening with disclosure as a whole and, and what's going on on Twitter and, you know, all those kind of things. Well, so I've been on Twitter, what, a couple of years now, and it's been a really fun experience, like getting to know all of these people in the community uh, that are on Twitter, like everybody's super cool and they all have such interesting things to add to the conversation. Um, it's just, it's kind of sad to me sometimes that uh, <laughs> there's so much infighting, but I suppose that when there's such an important subject as this on the table, there's bound to be disagreements. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, but I'm hoping with all these Tic Tacs around that we at least have fresh breath. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that <sighs> To the Stars Academy is obviously working with the intelligence community in some aspect. Um, I don't think that it's a psyop. I don't think it's any of this. I, I think it is because we're, we're what we're, we're right around a hundred years since the quote unquote modern age of UFO research has started. Um, right about the 1920s, 1930s is, is when, the saucers and weird stuff started to show up and, and that kind of aspect uh, with like Foo Fighters and all of that. So it's right about a hundred years. And so anybody that was originally involved with starting the truth embargo, starting this, this secrecy amongst uh, the intelligence community and the different governments of the world, anybody that was involved with that is now dead or almost dead. And so it's more difficult to charge them with crimes and have them uh, serve out any form of punishment because of their crimes that they committed to have this truth embargo in the first place. So I think that might be a contributing factor to why a lot of this is coming out now. Um, I also think that we have a lot to thank Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon for um and Hen- and Harry Reid and uh and all the other people that are involved with it I I think we have a lot to thank them for for kind of pushing the issue but if it was something that everybody truly wanted to keep absolutely silent I don't think that Lou or Chris would have had the ability to do what they did in the first place um other countries like let's say Canada, for instance, uh, Paul Hillier has talked about how in Canada, you don't hear about, you know, leaked UFO videos or anything coming out of Canada, even though Canada is very involved with this type of research, according to people that have 
you know, supposedly worked on these projects, but you don't hear about any leaked stuff that comes from there. And so it seems like there's kind of been this like, Oh, excuse me, drip disclosure thing that's been going on in the United States, at least for the last 50 or 60 years. Um, different things like, you know, the Stargate TV show having, uh, people from the CIA that had to approve different storylines for different episodes or um, Steven Spielberg and all of his close relations with uh, not only the UFO community and the United States government, but the intelligence community as well. Um, The whole controversy uh, with um, Gene Roddenberry and how he came up with the idea for Star Trek um it there's a lot of stuff that's been involved uh with the ufo community and hollywood for so long and it just seems like a lot of this stuff has been drip drip fed to us for a while and it's i think it's gotten to the point of public acceptance where we're finally able to start tackling more of the meatier subjects like the nimitz encountering this fleet of uh tic-tac shaped ufos and the public will actually look at it and they'll be a little bit uh, more receptive, I think, than they would have been, say, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think there's, there, there, like you said, there, there's an aspect of maybe Project Mockingbird or something like that mm, mm-hmm. involved. Yeah, right. So if, if you're, for those who are, that are listening that aren't familiar with Mockingbird, it was, CIA embedded with different news organizations and media organizations uh, give, uh, screening what's what's going out and giving the okay mm-hmm. stamp and changing all that kind of stuff. So I, I think you're I think you're right on to something. And I mean that kind of brings me to the idea of why the drip feed disclosure. Why what would be involved that it would need to be drip fed to us instead of just have you know a press conference or just keep it completely hidden altogether and never let anybody have even a inkling that it exists i mean it the drip disclosure seems very odd to me and it almost makes me wonder if a lot of the more spiritual people that are involved in the community um are right when they say stuff like our consciousness had to evolve to a certain point before we could start the process of becoming an interstellar species. Um, and maybe it is something along those lines that it would have had to have been about a hundred years <laughs> from the point that these things started to make themselves known to modern man to the point where we could actually start, you know, carrying that conversation into action, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, do, do you think that the, you're saying with the, with the advances in, in our, our consciousness being, being where they are today, do you think things will continue to accelerate or do you think it's going to be like another, 50 to hundred years before we get to the point where we're actually at the point where we're, they say you guys are ready. I would love to say that we're ready now um, or are going to be ready soon. And I'm not a hundred percent convinced that's what's going on, but I'm very, very suspicious, especially with um, all these people making predictions, uh, between 2026 and 2030 is going to be an integral point for all of this. Um, Chris Bledsoe has talked about how the lady has given him information that that's when a big shift is going to happen. Um, Different well-known astrologers are talking about 2026 as being the point where world peace or the, at least the process to world peace starts happening. It's just, that seems to be a very key point of time. So 
with everything that's going on and the different um all of the empathy that is being expressed through humanity at this point in time is very key for me um the empathy indicates to me at least uh, an evolution of consciousness um i don't think that this type of empathy has been in in uh, the human race for a very long time and i think that's one of the t- one of the reasons we're having such a a chaotic time of it right now with all of the division and everybody uh getting almost violent over over political ideals and stuff i think it's because we're we're seeing an awakening of empathy that hasn't been seen on this scale for a very long time if ever why do you why do you um, think that that is i think it's because of our evolution um one of my <laughs> one of my more woo kind of theories is that empathy is a base form of telepathy and i've been reading a lot of uh russell targ and um ingo swan and i've been talking to a few different people uh that agree with me that empathy is a base form of telepathy because telepathy isn't necessarily talking like you and i are right now telepathy would be more of a complete exchange of understanding so for instance, if I was to tell you about eating an ice cream, I could tell you about how it was cold. I could tell you that the flavor was vanilla or chocolate. But if I were to telepathically share that experience with you, you would know exactly what it was like eating that ice cream and what it tasted like and how cold it was and what the temperature was the day that I was eating it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, throughout my life, I've had different experiences where that's exactly what happened was an exchange of understanding of an experience like that. Um, And I'm a very empathic person. It actually has driven me to be a lot more introverted the last few years. Um, I'm working on that, but (laughs) you're doing great. uh, What was that? You're doing great so far. Oh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, one of the things that drags me out of my shell is actually talking to uh, different experiencers and different people that are going through very similar uh, interactions and kind of just experiences with life in general. Um, and a lot of people that identify as being highly empathic, or I think the, uh, I think the psychiatric term for it is a highly sensitive person, HSP. I think that's what it is. But when you talk to people that identify as that um, or claim to have this ability, they talk about uh, telepathic stuff that's happened to them before. They, they feel very motivated to accept people for who they are and to have a more healthy process throughout life and a healthy approach to the planet and, um, it it just seems to me that there's more and more of these type of folk in our in our species every day and i think it's pushed past the point of no return and i think that we've reached the point where empathy is going to be the majority of our species instead of the minority like i think it has been for a long time do you ascribe to the the whole light worker type type thing? I do in a sense. I know a lot of people that are light workers or um, that claim to be star seeds or indigo children. And a lot of the star seeds in, in particular, they talk about contact experiences that they've had, um, sometimes abduction experiences that they've had too. Um, and I'm not fully convinced on any of that quite yet. I mean, not personally. I will always listen to someone's experience and uh, 
taking it at face value for what it means for them. But I'm still, this kind of comes down to the whole intention of the others thing too. Like I'm still very wary. I see. Yeah. So you, you, when you talk about empathy, it, it, it kind of, you know, what I've heard about the star seeds and light workers, they're, they're here to, to kind of bring, bring that to humanity, show, show empathy, show everyone how to, how to, how to embody that. Absolutely. And I think the thing that I'm wary about is ascribing that to anything else except ourselves. Um, if, for instance, if you had a species that uh, has been influencing us for a very long time, um, might even have been responsible for the creation of religion, and you tweak with their DNA or you tweak with whatever uh, so that they eventually um, get to a point where they do have that kind of empathic ability. I mean, that's really cool that that you help the human race get to that point. But if it was something that the human race has gotten to on its own, but the human the humans uh, give credit to that accomplishment to another being that's giving their power away. And that's kind of treating these things more like gods, which I think is the wrong direction to go. Um, and another kind of cautious thing to be aware of is if they have been tweaking with our DNA and like a lot of researchers and experiencers think um, have actually been making uh, hybrids through the use of um, you know taking quote unquote alien DNA and uh, essentially fusing it with human DNA um, in the embryonic stage or past that point I mean, that's, there's a lot of moral issues that pop up amongst that, as well as it might not necessarily be for our, our species benefit that they did this in the first place. I mean, that would be a really good way to invade a, invade a planet instead of trying to, you know, have all of this violence and warfare just, you know, meld yourself with the, <laughs> the native species until you weren't able to tell the difference anymore between that species and your own. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, it, the, yeah, that's an interesting point. So do you think, so have you, you haven't had any experience with, with that type of activity, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all no. been more, more, more of a, and a neutral type thing. It has been for the most part. I met, um, I did have sleep paralysis one time in my life. I woke up, um, wasn't able to move. I was lying flat on my back in bed and there was a, a shadow being floating about a foot above me uh, that looked like the um, stereotypical like Grim Reaper with the, the skull face and oh, wearing geez. the black hood and stuff but it, its body was kind of more smoky kind of almost looked like a black hole um and that was really a terrifying experience for me but that's really the only one that's been like very negative the rest like you said have been very neutral for the most part so have you have you known anyone to have any any involvement in these in the hybridization type type experience? I haven't met anybody yet that claims to have been a hybrid or been a part of any of the, uh, the breeding experiments. Um, but one of the experiencers that I talked to, uh, his early years, this is another one where he interacted with the greys. Um, after his abduction experiences, he would always be uh, telepathic for a few days. And he remembered it specifically and vividly because it would be very um, traumatic for him hearing all of these terrible thoughts that were going through people's heads or feeling all of these terrible emotions or seeing all these terrible things that were going through their heads every day. Um, but that's, 
the closest that I've gotten to in my research. Okay. So you being the, you being a, an advocate for the experience or community, how would you, what would you say to someone that's just experienced their first interaction with, let's say a gray or the, the lady of the light and they want to, they want to talk about it, but who, who do they go to to talk about it? And you know, where should, where should they go next? Well, um, I can only talk kind of from experience and, or it's really the only place I like to talk from anyway. Um, first of all, I would say write down the, everything that you can remember about the experience because time has a weird way of warping memory. And so the longer that it is between the time that you had the experience and the point that you're ready to start talking about it, um, there might've been distortion that happened in the memory. So write it down as soon as it happens or as soon as you can. And after that point, I would say, start hitting up like, um, like MUFON would be a good one to go to. I know that there's a lot of controversy with MUFON, but my experiences with them, especially with local chapters has always been very positive. When I reached out to MUFON about um, the lady of light experience that I had, they actually uh, put me in contact with a uh, psychologist up in Seattle that dealt specifically with experiencers and actually had an experiencer uh, support group um, that she puts on about once a, once a month where uh, a bunch of abductees and contactees come together and they, they're all in the same plane. <laughs> and they've all had very similar things happen to them. So it's a very open uh environment very safe environment for them to talk about their experiences um and kind of get their different opinions and so that would actually if they wanted to if these people just wanted to skip contacting mufon altogether i know you can find uh experiencer meetups on on meetup actually um there's usually one that's within an hour or so driving distance of wherever you are Okay, so so what was your let's uh, I'm gonna take a step back. So what was your your experience going with the or meeting with the the psychologist that deals with this? Is she he or she uh, believe you? I mean, like, do they do a like a hypnotic regression or do they do you just how does that work? She did have um, she did she does <laughs> uh hypnotic uh regression i never got the chance to do it um life kind of sat up and smacked me around a little bit and i i had to stop seeing her and uh because it was quite of a it's quite a drive to go up there and my schedule just did not allow for it um but when i was talking to her she's actually a lifelong experiencer herself and that's why she got into the field in the first place um she dealt a lot with and deals with still to this day, uh, the shadow beings and grays. And, um, so she not only believes she understands and she knows exactly <laughs> what the experience is like. Um, her son and her, her husband have also had experiences as well. Do you, do you mind saying her name or is this something I could share with the, the audience? Um, I wouldn't only because I haven't talked to her about it. Okay. Um, Understandable. I, I just wouldn't want to, uh, throw anybody, uh, just under the bus like that. Um, but I do know that she has spoken at conferences and stuff. Um, I just, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah, to totally get it. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, are they able to reach out to you on Twitter or is... Oh, 100%. I always welcome anybody that has uh, experiences and that they need to talk about or want to talk about. They can always, always uh, send me a DM. And I, uh, I won't talk about your experiences with anybody else unless you tell me I can. <laughs> I'm just there to kind of help you go through the go through the process of trying to 
understand what it was that happened to you or even if you just need a uh somebody to tell you know somebody that has had very similar interactions or i've i've met so many people through twitter um that have had these interactions and they just been so scared to talk to anybody because they're afraid of the old jokes and you know cue the x-files music and (laughs) totally Um, Uh, yeah I really think that there are far more people that have had these type of interactions and experiences than we even can comprehend at this point in time. So yeah, if anybody's out there and wants to look for me on Twitter, uh, just type in uh, Vail Road, uh, V-E-I-L-R-O-A-D, and uh, you'll find me. Hit me up. Hey man, that's, that's awesome. And then that, that's, that's part of the reason why I brought you on. Just, I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people, like you said, that are having these experiences that just don't have anyone to turn to. And, uh, I really appreciate you helping them out, man. I appreciate that, man. I, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I don't have any degrees or anything. All I have is the experiences that I've had in my life and the stuff that I've gone out and researched on my own. And I think that community is really important, especially for these type of people, because, you know, I remember when these things happened to me, I thought that I was going crazy or I thought that I was having weird hallucinations or when I was younger, because I was raised in a, uh, in a very strict Christian household, I also believed that um, satanic possession might have been a part of what I was going through. And that that's a very terrifying thing to have going through your mind when you're like 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, thinking that Satan or a demon is possessing you. And it's just people need to normalize this a little bit more. Um, I don't even ask that, you know, everybody believe everybody without hesitation or without question. I'm just saying, let's normalize this a little bit more. So these people that have these experiences don't feel like they're, they're not cases. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think a lot of the, a lot of the hesitation is, is real, you know, the religious backgrounds of a lot of people. And I mean, nothing wrong with religion at all. I'm just, I think it, it, it's kind of a hindrance when it comes to this kind of, this kind of thing. It is. And I, I definitely don't feel, um, I don't feel ashamed to say that I think organized religion is not a very good thing for our species. Um, and I just, (laughs) gesture wildly at our entire history of conflict and violence. (laughs) Um, I think individual spirituality is what's truly important and uh, is the key focus that everybody kind of misses with organized religion. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a different conversation, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll do that the next time. I would like that. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and if if anybody wants to to uh, reach out to him he's, or to Chris, he's at Vail Road Dude on Twitter, and mm-hmm. uh, you just been you've been awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, it was really fun, man. I, I'd love to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Uh, once again, uh, this is Circle Path, and that's Chris Kingston at Vail Road Dude, and we'll see you next time. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too.